What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prophecy Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the Parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from our work over on BatteryPower.com, where I've been the deputy site manager since 2018 and the minor league editor since 2015. Joining me as often on this podcast where we get to break down what's going on in the minor leagues is my good buddy, longtime colleague. You can follow him over on Twitter at BravesMILB, Garrett Spain. What's going on, buddy? Hey, nothing much. What's up with you? Oh, just navigating these storms. Uh, we're very um, concerned about some connection issues. We were doing a little bit of testing beforehand. Hopefully that doesn't become an issue for the show. I do apologize if there are some bit of some audio quality stuff. Uh, I have kind of a monsoon over the top of my head at the moment, and as a result, it could get things get a little choppy from a connection standpoint. Hopefully it's not a big deal. But, again, you know, right now everything seems stable, and we're going to try to knock this show out for you guys. Uh, it has been an interesting week down in the Braves minor league system. And uh, I will say that this has been a, a position that we're in right now, Garrett, where the system hasn't felt more emptied out than I think it ever has since you and I have been doing this. Uh, so again, going back to 2015, uh, and it's for a lot of the right reasons is that we're actually seeing a lot of guys getting promoted. And, you know, that kind of gets us to the news of the week. And we're, I'm going to kind of like tee you up for kind of what's going on, on the big league side. The Braves top prospect, in our estimation anyway, uh, was promoted again. Yet again, all the way to the major leagues this past week, a, a move that we certainly didn't see coming. And we also have some other news going on. So talk to me a little bit what's going on with Vaughn Grissom and the rest. Yeah, Vaughn Grissom going up straight from AA after 22 games, I believe. It was, it was either 21 or 22. I think it was 22 games. And, I mean, when Orlando Arcio went down, it was fairly obvious that he was going to be out for a while. And it was kind of a – you look at what you have in AAA and it's like nothing there's all that good. And I think, I mean, I agreed with the decision in terms of Grissom being the best option. And, well, he went yard in his first game. So, I mean, that was a really, really special moment there, him going yard. He hit a absolute bomb down in Miami, too. He's looked really good so far. You can't really complain. I think that him being at second base right now is better for him defensively. So I don't think that he's going to be – necessarily a liability there i think he'll be able to handle himself at least fairly well at that position overall you know what we've seen early the early returns on him have looked 
pretty good, and hopefully he keeps that up and can uh, grab onto a position and maybe force their hands to find him more starting spots going down the stretch once Ozzy Albies comes back. But I think I think the news that somehow the news that we're even more excited about is yes. Mike Soroka yes. is going to be going on rehab starting tomorrow in Rome. I mean, I, I have waited never so sent- long for this. I have never sent a media credential request so fast. Brad, I was recording the podcast with Brad, and he told me. And as he's talking, I'm sending the emails, making sure that I can get a spot up there, because I'm certain that there's going to be a bunch of get, bunch of media up there. I'm certain of yep. it. Everyone loves Mike, uh, and that's yep. big news, obviously. You know, we, we're been longtime big fans of Mike Soroka on this podcast, uh, and just on talk. You know, when we were talking shop, and now to Battery Power, everyone's rooting for Mike thrilled to have him back he's going to be at rome tomorrow night on tuesday and i will certainly be there uh and to, to cover all of it i think garrett's planning on going as well uh you know I'm, I'm, a lot of friends of ours uh on the the brave side of things i think are gonna be making that trip because you know seeing him make his return is gonna be a pretty big deal yeah i mean I, i'm you know it's a thing where you know who we know Soroka, mike Soroka is as a person we believe in him to continue to I mean, come back from this. I mean, coming back from what he did and even playing games now is an accomplishment. And I think we're both extremely proud that he's here where he is now. And seeing him come back for that first game tomorrow is going to be a really great experience. And then hopefully, you know, you know, I think for him, you know, I don't think any of us need to set our expectations too high in terms of his ability to contribute at the major league level right now. But just that step of getting back getting on the field, getting that kind of out of the way, and then you can go into the offseason with the confidence of, okay, I did it, I got back, now let's focus on baseball again and, you know, come 2023, let's win a starting spot again and try to see what happens. And so I I think I'm excited for him and I'm excited that he's back and hopefully we'll get a chance to, you know, see him back to being himself fairly soon. Um in another promotion news, Rodri Mungos was promoted from high A to double A. He uh, did not have a very fun first outing. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But he was no, very, good. very, very good at Rome. And so I think it was, a, you know, it, that Rome rotation is a bit emptied out somewhat right now. But, you know, it was a move that I think he had earned. And, he, I mean, he's a guy that this fall is, I mean, this winter is going to be a Rule 5 Um eligible so i mean he's a guy that they do actually need to figure out what's going on with him fairly quickly and he looked really good at rome so i like the move to get him up there and see what you have yeah absolutely i think he had earned it oh especially this play over the last couple of months uh it was certainly a little bit more up and down at rome uh when he you know to start the season it was just like at bats just kind of wouldn't end sometimes you know got a lot of pitches fouled off you know, when he wasn't quite missing enough bats, you know, he wouldn't go particularly deep in the games. But he started, you know, the strikeouts started ticking up some more. He was going deeper in the games. He was looking more and more dominant. You know, it's not like we haven't seen guys struggle with their debut outings, you know, in the next level up. Uh, kind of getting used to things, getting acclimated. This isn't something that's particularly weird to happen. But overall, you know, I, I like Rodriguez a lot. I think I, I really do like the stuff. And as long as he's commanding it, um, at, at, I think, like, his – 85th to 90th percentile of command that he has like makes him among the best prospects in the system. Now he doesn't always have the 85 to 90, which is kind of the problem, but he, again, this is a guy that I think is going to be a, a real player in the Braves minor leagues. And, you know, 
maybe he ends up in relief, but I still think he can start. And, you know, with a guy that has that live of an arm, you certainly have to give it a, a, a real go at it. And, you know, getting him to Mississippi, you know, he's still a relatively young guy too. He's again, just, you know, let's see what he does down the stretch here. And then you can make some changes, you know, decisions about the 40 man and all that stuff after that. Uh, with all that said, that's kind of the news. And, you know, I didn't want to really share about my thoughts on Vaughn Grissom because I talked about him a lot yesterday. And uh, so if you want to make sure you don't want to hear my thoughts on the Vaughn Grissom promotion, uh, spoilers, it sounds very similar to what Garrett said, uh, as well as some other kind of additional thoughts. Make sure you listen to last night's podcast that I did with Brad uh, over on the flagship show where we talked about Vaughn Grissom among a lot of other big leg topics. But now, Garrett, it is time to talk about the various levels of the minor leagues. And we're going to start ourselves with the Gwinnett Stripers, which, again, has, you know, Promotions have certainly made this look a lot more like a, a lot of quad A bench types, but there are some real prospects on this team. Uh, even with Braden Shoemaker out with that injury, uh, we still haven't got any word on that as to kind of what the actual severity of that is. I hope he's okay because that was a pretty rough one to witness and kind of have to figure out what was going on uh, the, the other night. And that's, maybe it's a, a reason why Von Grissom honestly is in the big leagues. One, because Braden hadn't been particularly good, but you know, maybe they still bring him up just as a more experienced guy. But when he's injured, all of a sudden he's pretty much the only guy available. So, you know, at Gwinnett, we've got some pitching prospects that are certainly, you know, have have our eye, even if the lineup isn't exactly laden with prospects. So take this one away. Yeah, so the Braves have been pulling up, kind of pulling guys up and down. Bryce Elder had a very good start um, last night, I believe it was, um, for the Braves. I mean, and so they've been pulling up guys up and down a lot with these double headers and with Ian Anderson kind of struggling. And so not a lot of guys really got consistent time this week. Um, Freddie Tarnock did, and he looked, he's been very, very good at double A. I don't, his peripherals overall have not been fantastic. And I do think that you'll see some regression, you know, obviously he's not going to be a 2.0 ADRA guy the whole season, but a lot of it for him, he's been forcing a lot of weak contact. You watch these games and he's in the sixth inning and he he's only allowed one run. And it feels like it because maybe he hasn't struck out 10 guys, but it's a lot of ground balls, a lot of routine fly balls, and he's not getting hit squarely right now. Um, I think that his changeup has looked a little bit better. There were some times where it was a little inconsistent early in the season, both all, really all of his stuff, and he's a lot more consistent lately, and he's looked very good at AAA so far. Um, Darius Vines made his first AAA start, and it was fine. Um, he had a couple of bad innings. He really looked very good early, struck out a lot of guys, and then his second time through the rotation, he or through the lineup, he didn't really strike. He didn't strike out anybody. So kind of pitching that second time, you know, and we've talked about this a little bit with him before, kind of missing bats and not struggling deep into games was kind of an issue when he first got to double A. So that will be an adjustment period for him. But he looked very good early, quite a few strikeouts early, and we'll see if he's able to adjust in a way to pitch against more experienced hitters later in the games. Jared Schuster, on the other hand, I think was the guy that overall would have been considered the breakout pitching prospect of the season. And then he's kind of really struggled since he got to AAA. Uh, And we talked about this a little bit last week. The command hasn't quite been as pinpoint with him since he'd gone up. And so, you're seeing he had a home run in his last, he allowed a home run in his last start. He's allowing more walks than he was at double A. And so he needs to kind of rein in that command and 
that's where his issue is right now is that fastball command. He's leaving balls over the plate and he's missing with fastballs and he's getting himself into bad counts and running up some pretty, you know, pretty high run total so far. So that's, I think, what we're seeing with Schuster is the command isn't quite as crisp as it was early in the season double A. And it's important to remember with Schuster, they were very, very careful with him last year. We we were suspicious that he was coming off an injury that we don't necessarily have confirmation of that. And they were very, very limited in the amount of innings they gave him. So there could be a factor of fatigue for him right now because he didn't really have that full 100-inning season last year. So I do wonder if fatigue is an issue for him where he's just kind of trying to just fight through it right now because the command is definitely not where it was kind of early and middle parts of the season. Yeah, and I kind of noticed, too, that the the changeup hasn't been quite as, you know, kind of a go-to lean-on pitch that he can throw for strikes and, you know, get get whiffs on. It gets fouled off a good bit right now. And, again, that that could be – and your point was a good one about, you know, where he is at with his innings. This is late in the year. This is the dog days of summer, too. At a new level, there's a lot of reasons why he could be struggling right now. But, you know, when you kind of get late in a season and you're you know maybe a little bit more fatigued than you're used to, you know, maintaining arm speed and, you know, kind of matching that arm speed with your fastball arm speed, especially if you're struggling with your fastball and commanding it, it's hard. It, it's harder to sell the change up, too. So it's kind of a there's a lot of kind of factors in the kind of what's going on with the Schuster struggles. I'm not reading too much into it because he's been really good this year overall and that a bit of a fatigue towards the end of the year is not something that's going to necessarily concern me too much uh, based on the, the circumstances kind of that he's facing right now. But it is something we're keeping an eye on because he's going to need that fastball change up tandem to play off each other really well to be successful. And we've said it a lot on this podcast. He has to command that fastball. He can't leave it over the plate because he's going to get punished for it. And then people can lay off the change up. He needs people swinging at his change up and he needs his change up to be good. And in order to do that, you need to be able to command your fastball on the outer on the corners and then be able to sell, you know, hey, that's a fastball coming. I need to be able to put the bat on the ball there. And, you know, that's when he gets those swings and misses on his changeup. And that's just not what's happening right now. So overall, I tend to agree. The Again, in the lineup, we're just, there's just not a lot of prospects there. A lot of guys who are, you know, quad A types. Uh, Chadwick Trump did make a nice little appearance, I will say, up there in for the Braves in the doubleheader. Uh, was all but immediately sent back down. But it was nice to see Chadwick go up there and actually have some success. He's actually hit really well down there in Gwinnett. We don't talk about him enough, I don't think. It's kind of a, the third catcher on the squad as as an option. He's there's times he looks like Babe Ruth at Gwinnett. You know, there'll also be like two or three weeks where he doesn't do anything. But he's he's looked good overall at Gwinnett, and he had a good game uh, up there with Atlanta, uh, despite the fact that he was. I don't know how you can catch an entire game with your quad cramping, but somehow he pulled that off. And, you know, I wanted to just kind of shout him out a little bit because, you know, Chadwick's has been a guy who's, again, performed well there in Gwinnett. He's been a reason that they found success at times with that team. And, you know, he's, he's caught, he's done a really good job receiving, developing those, those pitching prospects down there. So overall, just, you know, hats off to Chadwick Trump. We, we want to give him some love where we can. Now, Garrett, let's talk about Mississippi because there's some things happening down there. You know, again, we, uh, some guys that we've been keeping our eyes on that have had recent promotions have been doing pretty well, uh, both on the pitching and hitting side. So take it away. Yeah, definitely. I would say you could argue that the top position player prospect kind of still left in the minor league system right now. Definitely at the upper levels is Justin Hinder Malloy. And so far at AA, he's done very well for himself. 
he hasn't really hit for very much power. And some of that is the league. Obviously that league is just not a place that you're going to hit for power, but even so he's still kind of below league average power so far production, you know, in a small sample, he's had his moments. He's hit a couple of balls very well, but he's not necessarily driving the ball a ton so far, but, and he's striking out a little bit more than we like to see, but overall, I mean, that move to left field, I think, has been good for him, and he's drawing a ton of walks, getting on base a ton, and you know, this is a guy that he's really improved his stock this year. He can really hit, and we'll kind of see, you know, he's going to, you know, his power and his hit are not necessarily like outstanding, so he's going to kind of have to max those out to project into left field at a high level. But he is a guy that I think we like, and that we've seen a lot from him this year that has impressed us. Now. The rest of the lineup, there's not anybody that, you know, there's some fringe top 30 guys, but there's really not a lot of guys there that are top tier prospects. A guy that has impressed us a lot is Javier Valdez. He was great with he's Rome. Been, he and was he's really good. Continuing yeah. to crush with double A. This is a guy that, you know, we. We knew of him coming into this year. He had been decent with Augusta last year, but he wasn't a guy that we expected to just kind of have this breakout. But he's looked extremely well, and, I mean, he's hitting for, like, legit power. I mean, he's hitting the ball. He can hit the ball a long way when it goes, and that's a guy that's looked very good, a guy that can catch. So, you know, a catcher that can hit and hit for power is always going to be interesting. And the lineup as a whole has been fairly good. Landon Stevens, he struggled his first week up in Mississippi, but he had three home runs this past week, not hitting for a lot of contact, which we kind of expect for him, but hitting three home runs in a week and is never a bad thing. Cody Milligan kind of went through a slump there for a while, but he's starting to hit a little bit more. It's more, it's less that he's starting to hit more and more that it's just kind of going through one of those spans where, the ball is falling for him rather than it just finding gloves. So he started to get on base a lot more. And he's a guy that can, you know, I mean, he can get on base a ton. He's, he knows the strike zone well. He's willing to take walks and he can do damage when he gets on the bases. And we've talked about it before. We don't necessarily love him in terms of like, oh yeah, that's a guy that we think can make a real impact at the major league level. But he's a guy that we love to have in the organization that we think does have some sort of major league future if he continues to hit at the level that he does. So you're very versatile. You know, he's never played outfield in his life. And I think he's looked really, really good in center field he, given he, that he's, he's he's been a really good defender out there. Uh, he really has been. Given that he's never played outfield in his life, he's been extremely good in center field. A very good athlete. I, he, he's a gamer and we like Milligan a lot. Uh, the pitching staff, you know, we've seen I mean, we've seen three guys that we just talked about with Winnett come up from Double A, so it's it's a little bit on the weak side. We talked about Munoz; he got one at, he he got through one inning and allowed seven runs, so um, you can't. Yeah, try again next time, Roderick. Try yeah, again next time. and try they again. won that game amazingly. That that was that was, that was the, the wildest back. game. Yeah, they were down twelve to three and ended up coming back within two innings. Like they were down two three. 12 to three and then scored 10 runs in the next two innings to go ahead. I I've never seen anything like that, but yeah, Munoz did not have a very good day, but most of the rest of the team did. Dylan Dodd has looked very good since being promoted. His peripherals aren't, haven't been fantastic, but he's been solid. Um, avoiding the middle of the song, you know, early in the season, you know, we saw with Rome, he had some sequencing things where he wouldn't get very deep into games. But so far with Double A, he's made the transition well. He's not walking a ton of guys. He's striking out his fair share. He not 
quite as good at the, as the strikeout rates you were seeing at high A, but he's done very well with it. And we're seeing a guy with three pitches that I think is going to get a lot more attention going into this winter. You'll see him get a lot more attention as, you know, a top 15 guy or even better in the system. Cause I think that he's looked very good and the fastball is very good as is the changeup. Yeah. Uh, he, we've kind of targeted dot as a guy that I think is certainly uh, could be very useful for the Braves in their, in their future, but also as kind of a guy that I think is being targeted as a trade chip for a lot of teams. So if the Braves are going to be making some moves, some trades, I wouldn't be shocked if Dylan Dodd was featured heavily in that. Um, it's worth noting too, that in Dodd's case, that the strikeouts weren't really there when he started at Rome either. And he kind of worked up into it. He kind of figured out what the approach was for these guys at, at the level and then started figuring out how to get those strikeouts more and more walk guys less and less. And you know, the, the, the strike zones and the, the approach from level to level is different. You're the, you know, a double A, you have a lot of guys who've been around for a long time or can foul off pitches, you know, aren't going to get completely, you know, bamboozled, uh, by a guy who can throw 94, 95. And, you know, I think in Dodd's case, he has the stuff to kind of, you know, as he changes his approach, gets used to his, you know, having a new, you know, I mean, Javier Valdez isn't a new member of the catching battery, but just kind of getting used to his surroundings a bit. And just overall, I think he's going to be just fine. And he's looked good to start. That's the thing. I think this, but more and more strikeouts are going to come. He does tend to throw a lot of strikes, especially once he starts getting comfortable. You know, the issues that we had with him kind of getting that second time, second time through the order, those seem to have been alleviated. He still does just fine uh, seeing guys a second, maybe even a third time. So, again, Dylan Dodd's a guy that we've kind of circled as one we're keeping an eye on. I, I'm with you. I love Cody Milligan. He's just kind of a gamer. Uh, there's been guys that we've had in this. Uh, who was the guy that was at Rome uh, that was a D2 guy? I can't remember. He was the second baseman. I can't remember now, but he was another one of those guys that just could hit and just, just felt like he just, he just did stuff all over the field, even if he wasn't like a the, the most tooled up guy. But in Milligan's case, you know, he has he can run, he can play multiple positions, and if you have like that guy on your bench in the big leagues where you can like play, I would not have any problems whatsoever playing Cody Milligan in any three of the outfield positions. I'd play him at second if I'm in a pinch. I'd put him at short. I wouldn't be particularly thrilled about it, but I'd be I'd play him there at short. And he was a catcher in college. So, like, you just have like, a you know, utility knife for a guy who can hit. Uh, you can put him, you know, he, he's a guy that will get on base a good bit. Maybe he's not an everyday starter. Maybe he's not. Uh, just because the power is just not there uh, on a consistent basis to really say, you know, maybe he's going to contribute on a day-to-day basis. But the guy can hit, and he could he can be a contributor that gets a significant amount of bats on a team. You know, just spelling guys here and there, playing some matchups. I like Milligan a lot. Valdez has been great. Uh, he kind of really picked things up when he was on his way out of Rome and has not seemed to be missing a beat when he's at Mississippi as well. And I'm happy to see Justin Henry Malloy kind of, he, the, the, he's been very, for me, he's felt very hit and miss and it seems like he's kind of found his stride of late. And when he's at Mississippi, I'm glad they moved him, you know, the, the third base, I don't like him at third base, but I, I do like the bat there and, you know, put him in the outfield, see what he can do there. I overall, you know, a big fan of, of kind of what's happening in Mississippi, even though there's kind of a, it's a weird crop at the moment, but overall there's, there is some real talent there. And they certainly had the most fun game of the week last week uh, coming back. I think that's final score in that game ended up being what, 16, 13, something like that, that they won. Uh, was pretty wild, a pretty wild game to watch. Uh, if you want to go look at a fun box score, go ahead and take a peek at that one. Before we get on to Rome, Augusta, and then the rookie ball, folks, we're going to take a quick break to listen to our word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Garrett, it is time to talk to our home team, the Rome Braves, which we, I'm certainly going to be visiting tomorrow uh, to see Mike Soroka. Uh, but also there's some real talent there, including the other half of the, the catching battery that Javier Valdez just left, uh, a guy that I've liked a lot for a while. I think he has a ton of raw power. And there's a lot of really interesting things happening there, even though I think that the pitching side has struggled quite a bit considering all the promotions. So tell us a little bit what's going on with our Rome Braves. Yeah, Rome has been really, really good in the second half. I think it's something. They have like a like a 700 win percentage, very very close to that. Uh, they're very very good. Cal Conley has been fantastic since being promoted. I mean they've they've lost a lot of talent out of that lineup, but they've gotten a lot in guys like Conley who has come up and as soon as he came up he started hitting and he hasn't really slowed down since he came up. He was a guy that we could kind of we liked when he was drafted then. He really struggled at Augusta, so we kind of backed off of him. And now that he's looking good again, he's one that I'm interested to just see once he gets to double A and see how he handles pitching there. You know, I think with Conley, more of the issue is kind of an approach thing. He, he's having issues figuring out his approach, but he definitely can hit and he can play defense. And so we like him there. Geraldo Quintero has been fantastic since getting called up. He kind of went into a bit of a slump at the end with Augusta, but as soon as he got called up, he started hitting. He had a re- he reached base six times, I think, on Sunday. I mean, he was it was either five or six times that he was on base on Sunday. Like he was all over the place, and he's really hit very well. But you were mentioning Tyler Tolvey, and since Valdez got promoted and Tolvey has played full time, he he was very good before. But since he's gotten a chance to really play full time and not really have to split as many games with Valdez, he's kind of taken off lately and has just been crushing the ball. Um, nine home runs this year in, I believe, 54 games, something like that, somewhere in the low 50s. Uh, nine home runs, which is extremely good production from the catching position. A guy that can hit as well. A guy that, frankly, the Braves got a really good deal on when they got him. I he was was he sixteenth round last year? I mean he was low. I can't remember he, exactly he was what the pick Something was. like that. It was like it was in the last five rounds they got him. And I mean that's I, again I don't know if you're looking at this guy as you know a top twenty type prospect, but he's a legitimate guy that has major league potential. Like he can hit and we've seen a lot from him. And 
I am extremely impressed, especially now that he's gotten a chance to play every day. I kind of hope he finishes out the year at Rome so he doesn't get back into a situation where he's splitting time at double-A. But he's definitely a guy that we're watching now and going into next season. He's going to be very high on our radar. So, guys, we want to get an early look at in terms of where he can go. Pitching side, you know, the big prospects – well, our Roy Bush, the big prospect is Roy Bersalinas. He has really struggled with his command lately. He didn't look very good in his start last week. J.J. Necro, since coming up from low A, has not looked very good either. He's struggling to miss any bats at all right now. And, you know, it, that was a bit of a concern for us because his stuff wasn't great. And right now, I mean, he's going like four or five innings and striking out only one batter. And it, it's very hard to survive if you're not striking out a ton of guys and not being, you know, being an older guy and not striking out guys at high A is, is a red flag. And I mean, this is a very small sample size. It's just the early returns for him have not been very good. Yeah. I think in both Necro and Salinas's case, I mean, in Necro's case, there's a, a, a stuff problem in that, you know, he's a pitchability guy. He just knows how to pitch. And, you know, those guys down in Augusta were just going to have a tough time. Those young hitters just seem to really struggle with guys who knew how to command the ball and knew how to pitch. And Necro does. I think he does know how to do that. But at Rome, you know, you're you're getting some more advanced hitters at high A. You're, it's just going to be a lot tougher. And more importantly, kind of with a lot of these pitchers, we're going to talk about this, is that, you know, fatigue is going to be a real thing. Uh, and, you know, he's hasn't been commanding his pitches quite as well. It's not quite as sharp. And that's something that still happens when your arm's tired. Uh, in Salinas's case, this is kind of where it gets back to a lot of the effort in his delivery and how it uh, we've kind of been fairly consistent, I think, in saying that we think that maybe long term he's going to be a reliever. And I'm, you know, I think we're starting to see that a little bit. Maybe it's the kind of a guy that doesn't need to be throwing a ton of innings all the time. Uh, I love the arm talent, but there's, you know, some the, the, the delivery and, you know, how how he gets his lower body involved uh, or lack thereof uh, is a concern uh, and is certainly something that is going to put a little more wear and tear on the arm. So I, I'm I'm certain he'll finish out the season as a starter and maybe even starts next season as one. But I feel like that that transition is going to be coming. Uh, I, I'm with you on Tyler Tolvey. The first game I went and saw at Rome, I was watching batting practice and the most impressive guy in batting practice by a mile. And this is a team that had a lot of talent on it. This is when Vaughn Grissom was there. This is when Justin Henry Malloy was there. This is when, you know, there was some guys who could really hit there. The most impressive batting practice by a mile was Tyler Tolvey. He was hitting absolute seeds to all parts of the park. And this is a guy who hasn't been has been playing all that much for Rome up until recently. So I'm I'm, I'm with you. I'm happy to see him get in play. Uh, Geraldo Quintero has been really good. Uh, and Cal Conley, I'm a little bit less uh, bullish on his defense. Personally, I think he makes good plays sometimes, but I also think he makes uh, silly decisions at times in terms of when he's going to be throwing and kind of the angles in which he throws as a result kind of results in some silly things happening and, you know, errors and things like that. But overall, you know, it's nice to see him kind of getting back on track. I do worry a little bit when you, you kind of hinted at it when you talk about his approach. He doesn't. He has some power. Don't get me wrong, but he sells out for it far more often than he should. I think that he should be just kind of focusing on putting the ball in play, driving line drives and things like that. He seems like he, he goes Captain Caveman mode sometimes, and he can be an easy out when he kind of gets in that mode and he starts going hunting for a long ball. Um, he hasn't really done that at, at Rome. I think he's been overall fairly, you know, within himself and hasn't gotten gotten uh, trying to hit the ball to you know the next county. Uh, whenever he's when he decides on a given at bat, but it's something that I kind of keep an eye on with him and his overall approach. Uh, you know, hitting the ball the other way, all those things I think are things that he needs to work on a bit better. But overall, the returns on what you know, getting him to Rome and what he's been doing have certainly been really good. 
Let's talk about Augusta. This team remains weird, but this is also much more interesting these days because a ton of 2022 uh, Braves draft draft draftees, particularly on the position player side, are in Augusta now, and they have been playing really well, Garrett, as well as some more familiar names to our listeners, uh, guys that we've certainly kept an eye on, even though even when they've been struggling, we try to kind of keep folks updated on them, and a lot of those guys are starting to play pretty well right now. So talk about the the, the young folks down in uh, low A and kind of how, how much fun they've been to, be, to watch. Yeah, I mean, we just got a bunch of these draftees in, and for the most part, they've been very good. EJ Exposito and Keyshawn Ogans were very late round picks that both have post posted OPSs over a thousand last week. They were just hitting the ball over the park. They had a couple of really big games for Augusta. Augusta has been scoring a lot of runs lately, and both of those guys had a big part in that. David McCabe had a kind of a slow start, kind of carried over from a couple of bad games with the GCL. His Really, his only games with the GCL were pretty rough. And carried over into his first couple of games with Augusta, but late in the week, late in the week he was hitting very well. Um, um, Drake Baldwin hit fairly well last week. So really, that entire class has been very good. Andrew Keck and Justin Janis didn't have the best weeks um, in their first week, so that'll be something to watch. Janis was okay, just wasn't great. Keck was pretty rough, but that's, you know, that was their 10th round pick, so he's not kind of at the tier of kind of the other guys that we're talking about. For the guys that have been there for a while, Stephen Paolini is the guy that we've had an eye on a for a long time and really for the last month or so he's been legitimately good for probably the first time in his career i mean he's made a lot of progress in terms of just his pitch recognition this is a guy that was striking out 30 35 percent of the time very consistently and lately he's been in the low 20s and with his strikeout rate which is absolutely fantastic it, it there's legitimate talent there and if he can avoid strikeouts and start to hit uh, this is a guy that's going to get get back to being interesting fairly quickly because he's a guy that we always kind of had in the back of our head, but he just didn't hit enough to stay there. Um, Caden Morton had a fairly, had a couple of good games last week, had a couple of bad games last week. That's kind of what he's been doing all year. But yeah, Backst- Caden Morton experience. Yep. Yeah. Makai um, Backstrom has been hitting. He's been striking out a ton, but he's, when he makes contact, he hits the ball very, very hard, and so he tends to find holes fairly frequently, and he has a six-game hitting streak right now. He's been hitting fairly well overall for you know, his on-base ability, um, hitting a ton of home runs, but you know, a guy that just strikes out too much right now, still a young guy, plenty of time to work out with him, but he's definitely striking out a lot. Brandon Mosquita, really, since he started dealing with the injuries kind of middle of the season, he has not hit all that well it just doesn't feel you know he's not as consistent he's you know his strikeouts have started to tick up he's not as consistent with those line drives around the field and so you're seeing a guy that's been he hasn't been like completely awful but he's been a guy that's hovered in the high 600s low 700s OPS for a while which was is nowhere near what he was doing in the early in the year I think he's you know, he's somewhere in between that 700 and 900 range. He's, I don't think, you know, he's kind of had these struggles lately, but he was really good early in the season and he's somewhere in the middle in that, but he just, since the injuries have kind of come along, he doesn't feel like he's been as good. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm, I, I am a, a believer in Mosquito's bat. And I think he'll end up 
hitting more than he is right now. I do think he's banged up. And when you just miss like, you know, chunks of time, like he has, it just makes things like, you know, getting, you know, getting acclimated and kind of getting into a groove with your, with your swing and, you know, getting your timing right. That makes things a lot harder. I do want to see more out of David McCabe. Uh, I do think he looked significantly better towards the end of the week. Well, I say looked. Uh, they were playing Fredericksburg, which for reasons that we don't understand, don't have a don't have a don't have a any uh, cameras anywhere. So this next week, hopefully, we'll be able to get some looks at these guys actually seeing them in the playing them in the field. Uh, but overall, just you know, a good showing so far from the draft class. When you're making your pro debuts, you just you want to get out there and just you know be able to play a bit. And that, like all these guys, for the most part, have done uh, done a good job. Even like Keck has even like ch- chipped in in a couple of games as well. So he's not a guy that I'm not gonna kill as you know like really struggling per se. As like your test round pick, and he's like still gives you some production at all, uh, over, you know, you, you take that, just, you just take it. And, uh, you know, this, the position group has certainly been a fun one. Uh, I am a bit surprised that we haven't seen any of the, of the pitchers really make it the way to full season ball, but they've actually been pretty heavily, uh, represented down there in the FCL. So this is where I'm going to, we're going to talk a little bit about rookie ball folks with the Florida complex league Braves, as well as the DSL Braves to wrap things up. So Garrett run us down, uh, including some pretty important uh, debuts from some very highly regarded pitching prospects from this draft class. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, it's kind of been overshadowed by some of the big news that we had later in the week, but Owen Murphy and J.R. Ritchie, both of the top picks in the, most recent draft debuted. Both of them pitched two scoreless innings. Murphy, his numbers were very, very good. He struck out four guys, didn't walk anybody. Uh, I mean, good to see them on the field. We were kind of wondering if they were going to play and how much. And this is pretty typical for a guy. You know, they're, you know, that first year, typically your prep draftees are only going to go two or three innings. And, you know, a lot of times those guys, especially in the FCL, because their stuff is so good, they just put up absurd numbers and I, I would expect that both of those guys because their stuff is good enough is they're gonna have quite a bit of success Blake Bird Burkhalter the the 75th overall pick the comp pick that they got for Freddie Freeman um he struggled a little bit uh he's a guy that Dana Brown really likes and I think that we both trust Dana Brown more than more than really any of the the other scouts around in terms of you know you know reading national media stuff like that and so uh, he think you know Dana Brown and the organization thinks that he's a starter. They're going to give him run as a starter. It's, I, I'm a little more skeptical of that, but they do like him a lot. Uh, but the first game well, wasn't so hot for him. Uh, but it was better than Seth Keller, who had a rough one. Had a rough. Yeah, one. he recorded no outs, walked four guys, allowed four runs. Uh, the good news is this might very well be his worst professional outing of his career, like that he will ever have. Um, so yeah, you can really only go up from here. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that was a, that was a rough one, but you know, Keller was the sixth round pick. So I, I don't think that we'll see, I believe that's everybody that's going to, I think that everybody that's going to debut this year has debuted at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah the rest of the guys know, are hurt. Phillips, yeah. yeah. Phillips Meyer, Phillips and Meyer are not going to pitch this year. So yeah, I mean, everybody that's debuted, Ian Mejia has had four outings down there. Uh, it's been okay. He hasn't been fantastic, but he's, you know, that's the 11th round pick, but he's been decent. Uh, Cedric de Grandpre, uh the 13th round pick, they went over slot to get him there. He had a scoreless inning, struck out two. He's going to be interesting to one, one to watch when we get a chance to see him once he gets up to full season ball, probably next year. He'll be an interesting one to watch and see his stuff. We're, we're not, 
he's one that I'm not necessarily sold on whether he's a starter or a reliever long term, but he did a very good had a very good debut there. Then on the hitting side, Ambioris Tavares is playing games consistently. That's the most important thing. He had a couple of back-to-back multi-hit games to cap off the week. Um, and that's the guy that I think, had he been playing all year, I think that he would be very likely considered the top um, position player prospect remaining in the system. Right now, that's a little bit uh, uh, it's a little bit um, unclear just because he hasn't really played and he hasn't played great since he's been there. Nacho Alvarez, though, that is the fifth-round pick, and, I mean, he's crushed it down there. All we heard, you know, going in the draft was he's athletic, great defense at third base, and a guy that we liked to swing on in terms of the videos that we had of him, and down in low A, he's, I mean, down in the complex league, he's crushed it, an OPS over a 1,000. That's a guy that I, I don't know if he'll get up to full season ball this year, but if he continues to hit like this, I would be, I think it would be very likely that he gets a couple of weeks up at full season ball if he continues to play this well, because I mean, it's not just a matter of a lot of bad ball luck. I mean, he's got legitimately good. He's not striking out. He's drawing a lot of walks. This is a guy that's looked very good down there. And you know, the numbers have looked very good down there. We obviously do not see these guys. So I I really hope that he gets up to full season ball and we get at least a few games of him up there just to see what he has um, down in the Florida comp. I mean, I'm sorry, down in the Dominican summer league, Diego Benitez, ha- he struggled most of the summer, but he had a fairly solid week last week. week. He had hits in five of the six games and six hits overall, which he's really struggled hitting. And, you know, he struggled with balls not falling very consistently with him. And so seeing him hit, that's the another guy that would be that that's another guy that could really rise up to being one of, you know, a premier prospect in this system if he continues to develop because he's a very, very talented player. So seeing him hit is good. Douglas Gloat is another guy that could be a very big prospect of Big outfield prospect for them. He had four hits in three games this past week, hit a home run. Um, you know, he was a guy that was off the field for quite a while. We weren't really sure why. So it's good to see him hitting as well. And hopefully, you know, we're starting to see all these guys play and getting some new guys to talk about. And it's been really interesting down at the rookie leagues. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to have to talk, find some new guys to talk about because, like, again, I mentioned at the top of the show, we haven't seen the system kind of get emptied out in this way before. They've just been three guys that we well, – their best prospects probably, probably one, two, and three uh, to start the season have, are all, have all graduated from the prospect list, and a lot of guys have moved up. Some guys have moved on in trades that, during the season at the trade deadline too. It's, it's kind of wild to think about just kind of how much this whole – minor league system is being remade right in front of our eyes uh, because I just don't think we're going to see a lot of the guys that are currently in the big leagues that much anymore. Uh, Owen Murphy and J.R. Ritchie, uh, you, you want to see those two guys, your top two picks put up good outings and they did. Uh, I'm not too worried about Burkhalter and Keller though. And you know, the, in Keller's case, you know, that was a, an overslot, an overslot pick to be sure. But you know, at the end of the day, it's a prep arm. Sometimes they just, you know, nerves can get the best of you, you know, just trying to find your way. Uh, I'm not going to – I know the, the line in his game looked bad, but overall it's just, you know, I think that's, that's still a really live arm. He was a really highly regarded prep prospect and be able to grab him and add him to this class is a big deal. And, you know, just, you know, let him work out all the kinks down there in the SCL, just, you know, making your pro debut, make a few starts and call it a day, go to the instructs, figure some things out, and, you know, 
start putting in those games and, you know, the off season, I, I fully expect him to be a big player in the Braves farm system going forward. Uh, and I really want to see Nacho Alvarez play. I really, really do. Uh, I, this is what you talk about, what you hear about with the, with the defense at, alone. And I think it's actually one of the reasons why he's in the FCLs because they want to give McCabe, who is a little, a little bit older and just probably a more highly regarded prospect. Uh, they want to give him a lot of playing time at third. And then, you know, in Nacho's case, give him plenty of time playing at third uh, in the FCL. Give those guys plenty of time in the field. They can sort out, you know, who goes where next year, uh, how promotions go and all that stuff. They can figure that out. But for right now, just give them plenty of playing time. Not going to be, I don't think, indicative of anything. And it might not make a whole lot of sense to bring Nacho up uh, because, again, you wouldn't be letting McKay play all that much or you'd be making him play less at the very least. And or maybe even moving him around if you really needed to. And you don't really need to do that this your draft year. Just kind of get them playing time, get them playing, get them in the swing of things in terms of a pro routine and go from there. Well, Garrett, that's pretty much all I've got. Is there anything else you want to share with folks before we let them go? No, I think we're good. It's a lot to cover this week. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to cover and talk about, especially in the lower lower levels to kind of go through, uh, as well as the big news at the top when we have Wamp Von Grissom being promoted and my adult Canadian son uh, heading out on rehab tomorrow, which I'm pretty excited to go watch tomorrow. Thank you all so much for all the support on the podcast. You've been great, not only downloading this podcast, but downloading all the podcasts on the feed. We really appreciate that. If you want to make sure you don't miss a single episode of the Road to Atlanta podcast, subscribe to the Battery Power podcast feed. Just go to search Battery Power and wherever you get your podcast from, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever we wherever you prefer to get them from, we are listed on there. Search Battery Power, subscribe to the feed. You'll get this podcast. You'll get the flagship Battery Power podcast hosted by the great Brad Rowland, occasionally co-hosted by myself, occasionally co-hosted by Scott Coleman. Uh, you also get the Daily Hammer, which is hosted by Sean Coleman, where he gives you your daily updates. Uh, he's been very busy of late with all the news that's been going on with the Braves, and I've been helping out over there from time to time. And then you also get the still unnamed show, uh, and I would love for there to be a name for the show at some point. Uh, that is uh, kind of our deep dive into individual pop. Uh, topics hosted by our fearless leader Chris Willis as well as Stephen Tolbert who's been a great addition to the podcast feed we actually had a this we had a a three-way podcast where we, we had Stephen talking talking as well and that was a big fun uh talking to him he's just been a great addition to the battery power staff I love you Stephen I know you're mad at me for disagreeing with you about the the some of the uh machinations of Sunday's game but I still think you're the best and I appreciate all the work that not only he does but for the entirety of the battery power podcast podcast staff and just the staff in general I, you won't find a better staff out there covering the Braves and I will stand by that to the death. So thank you. Thanks to Garrett. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to everybody for making what the site possible over the years. Thanks to all of our listeners and our readers for helping us build the site. And until next time, we'll see you on the road. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.